I actually don't think most people have a purpose. So that's a big saying there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. For themselves, right? Like in one way we could say everyone has the same purpose or no one has any purpose. Life is just happening, but we have the capabilities to give it purpose. It's something that we create, right? Like from a, a biological perspective, our purpose is to reproduce. It's same for all beings, but that's not so helpful as a guiding <laughs> star in, in life. Um, I don't think we can get a lot of fulfillment if we say, yeah, this is my purpose. So now I just try to make as many children as possible. I don't know. Welcome to the show about new ideas on how we live, work and connect. This is Borivik, your host, and in the following episode, together with my guests and listeners, we are again in search of something different. Hello, Jan. Welcome on the show. Thank you. So, my first question would be, what do you think I need to know about you before we start this conversation? Oh, that's a Maybe good question. What are the life experiences that you have? that mm -hmm. I need to know in order to have a conversation with you. I think overall I have quite diverse life experiences. I've been in many different fields, um, even in school when I studied, I studied physics, for example, now I'm in business and coaching and mindset and psychology. But even when I studied within the university, I was part of a lot of different groups. You know, so maybe more the athletes, but then also the nerds who play computer games all day. And mm -hmm. yeah, maybe that could be something interesting to know. Yeah, I, I actually had the same. I was like, I never thought about it. But like, look at us being here and talk about in search of something different. When yeah. we did this, yeah, it was the same. Doing the same. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I recognized even back then that it helped me. Well, first, it's just nice to be connected to a lot of people and to not be maybe bullied or like an outsider. So it was always easy for me to be a part of a group. Um, but also in university, studying physics was really hard. And I noticed pretty quickly that this is not the center of my life. Um, and it kind of had to be if you wanted to be good at it. Like our homework was incredibly difficult. Like I, I tried multiple times to sit down and do it and I just couldn't. So after sitting there like for half an hour, it's like I have no idea how even to start with that exercise. So basically the thing that I did is I connected to people who were smarter than me or who got it or put in more work, you know, and then I got the homework solution from them, gave it to other people. And it was really actually a survival strategy to just be connected to a lot of different uh, like subgroups, you know, who would hang out with each other. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. great. <laughs> I love yeah. it because, you know, like I always was like a mid-level student. I was like barely surviving. Later it turns out because I have dyslexia and this mm. everything. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard for me to, to stay mid-level, frankly. That's my best was the freaking mid-level. And... And then when I go back to like these meetings with like the five year anniversary or like the 10 year anniversary of the graduation of my high school, it turns out that all these people who needed to learn how to strategize to freaking survive in that environment are doing way better than the people who were just like sitting down and learn everything right away, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it turns out we are not actually learning so much in school other than strategizing. <laughs> Yeah. So you studied physics yeah. and then you became a coach. 
Okay. Uh, no, no, there's a little bit uh, that happened in between. I studied physics and I noticed, not exactly sure when, I think it happened gradually, but I was like, this is not really the path I want to take. Um, I had this idea of really doing research, maybe with an international team, like something groundbreaking, really cool. And then when I did my bachelor thesis in experimental physics, it was the first time I, uh, I did something new, but it was such a small little piece, you know, of like, we were building lasers and then within the lasers, the chip, and like, I was just doing research on something super, super tiny. Of course, there was a bachelor thesis. Master thesis would have been maybe a little bit bigger. And then, yeah, you can, you can go further, but everything else around it, like my university and being in this boring office, sometimes I would go in the lab, but otherwise it was a lot of computer work. So it became clear that this is not my path. And during my studies, I became interested in entrepreneurship. And there were a few courses that you could choose each year, I think, just to get some points, but you could choose whatever you wanted. So I chose the closest that I could find to entrepreneurship courses. And then after I finished, I actually applied for an, was it an internship? I think it was an internship for a laser company in the US. And they didn't take me, which was really good because then I um, had a friend who, he's a, a transhumanist, so very, future oriented uh, with like technologists and AI will do this and we will upload our consciousness. You know, I was just I don't know, 20 something years on old. What did you just call this? Uh, transhumanist. Okay. So like, what does that mean? I think it means basically that we will, we will as a species go beyond being human, right? Because as soon as we upload our consciousness to a computer cloud, well, how much human are we? You know, the, we are not in the human body anymore. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, wow. Okay. Yeah. Continue, please. <laughs> yeah. So he was a person. He also introduced me into polyamory. And um, so he was very different <laughs> from everyone else that I knew at the time, a little bit older than me. And every time I talked to him, I was just like, wow, my mind has expanded. You know, like the things that he shares, like, wow, this is incredible. Um, and he asked me if I wanted to start a company with him. He already had a prototype and worked on something. So I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm already interested in entrepreneurship. You are an amazing person to hang out with. Yeah, it's really expanding my horizon and uh, I'm sure I can learn a lot on that journey. So that's how I got into entrepreneurship and then learned how to build a business and do marketing and all of that, those things. Ultimately, it didn't work out with that business, which then had me for the first time in my life, I think it was like in my mid twenties, feel stuck and not very happy anymore. Later I learned, oh, there's a connection between growth and happiness, mm -hmm. right? I think as human beings, or maybe as beings in general, we need some growth, some new experiences, learnings in order to feel good because I think it's in our our DNA or just in the the purpose of life is to live and expand and reproduce and grow. You know, every plant grows um, until they they die. Uh, and I think with humans it's similar. So because I was stuck, the company didn't move forward. I didn't have any other new inputs really. I got a little depressed. 
And that led me into those big questions. What is happiness? How does fulfillment work? What is the purpose of life? And then a deep inner journey that ended up with coaching. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, you're just like rushing through all these crazy things that I kind of like tell yeah, me more about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, so, okay, just like let's backtrack, backtrack to this transhumanist thingy that I was like flipping yeah. around. Like the reason why I started traveling in 2010, like when I decided 2014, when I decided to, to be a, a traveler and then leave my nine to five is because I realized that there is a possibility that this transhumanism is going to come to reality. I don't, I listened to some Alan Watts uh, audios and I realized that if we are going to be capable of creating an artificial reality, then at one point we'll not need our bodies. And that means that we'll actually upload ourselves into the cloud and then humanity, as we know, it's going to be a complete different. Uh, and so I started to ponder upon that one. I was like, mm. I kind of want to go out to the world and see it until it lasts. Yeah. And and that's why I started traveling. Like, there's various other reasons why I started uh, to become a nomad and uh, my journey, but this was one of it. So like, I was like, is there other people out there who's afraid of this? <laughs> because I have this fear about this. Interesting. So yeah. one of, thanks for sharing this with everybody here who's <laughs> listening. I'm not sure anybody else uh, knows it. We're gonna I'm gonna look for the Facebook group for transhumanists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I mean. Now with uh, shows like Black Mirror, mm -hmm. you know, who, there are a lot of the episodes are kind of about this. Mm, they, they, they use a certain technology and tell a story that plays in the future around that technology. Yeah. And now we're in the middle of this AI explosion and Elon Musk flying to Mars, Neuralink. Um, so yeah, I think people are still different. A lot of different opinions about it. Is it something good or not? Is it going to happen or will we destroy the planet? So, yeah. you know, now that we're talking about AI, it actually brings me to my second point. You just rushed through so many things. So I'm just going to go back and remember all of them. So you said that everything grows yeah. and, and it expands. And yes, including plants, including the universe itself. And I had this feeling that because everything grows and we have this need for purpose a little bit, so we kind of need to have that, okay, what's next and what's next and what's next and what's next. And I feel that maybe with AI coming in and uh, like in brackets, it's uh, taking our jobs. I'm curious if we're going to speed up everything in a way that it's going to be so much easier to work now and save so much time. Do you think we're going to find other purposes in lives? If that's like something that... I actually don't think we most people have a purpose well that's a that's a big saying there yeah wow yeah. for themselves right like i mean in one way we could say everyone has the same purpose or no one has any purpose life is just happening but we have the capabilities to give it purpose it's something that we create right like we, from a, a biological perspective our purpose is to reproduce it's same for all beings, but that's not so helpful as a guiding <laughs> star in, in life. Um, I don't think we can get a lot of fulfillment if we say, yeah, this is my purpose. So now I just try to make as many children as possible. I don't know. There are a lot of people who use children as a as purpose. A yeah. yeah. Which I'm also skeptical if that's the best idea. Yeah. And with AI, 
Well, maybe we already live in a time where most people are not so concerned with survival, right? Like back in the day, there was maybe no purpose of I'm going to, I don't know, heal cancer or yeah, it was more like we need to make grow food and survive and go hunting. But I think now we are in a time where people have a lot of free time and they don't have a purpose. So they do things that are in the long term very harmful to themselves, like watching Netflix and scrolling, doom scrolling, all of those things, short term pleasure and long term uh, regret, <laughs> basically. So the need for purpose, I think, is extremely high and it will probably only get higher if AI makes life even easier for us or takes away jobs. Mm. Wow, it just made me think, it feels like we had originally this purpose to just hunt down animals and survive, right? Like pretty much we needed these purposes in order to to survive, like have kids and whatsoever. But like we figured this shit out and now we're doing all these extra things and it feels like it's just remained with us. Like maybe purpose having a purpose I'm challenging you here maybe having a purpose is something that we used to have as an instinct and it just remained with us if we say the purpose was to hunt and grow food I don't think people would have identified with this is my purpose in life if you would have asked someone who's just a farmer back in the day or even before the hunters and gatherers like what's your purpose like what do you mean Hmm. like the dog doesn't know what his purpose is it's just Hmm. living I'm going to hunt for food, I'm going to eat, I'm going to sleep, I'm going to make children, be there for my family. But it's not like, this is my purpose in life. And it's different than his purpose or her purpose. Like, I want to save the environment by extracting CO2 out of the atmosphere. The next person wants to build robots so we can, I don't know, safely do this or that. (laughs) Um, So this is what I understand as maybe the modern version of a purpose that we need to give ourselves or we can also have the feeling or the experience that we find it. But I'm not a big fan of that language because when we tell people find your purpose, then they look outside because if we, if we search for something, you know, we lost our key. We want to find (laughs) our key. We're looking outside. Um, And it also leaves open the possibility that we don't find it. What if I can't find it? You know, it's too difficult to find. So instead, I prefer to use a language of creating purpose because mm. it's a little bit more self-empowering. It's like, I am creating it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So much better. Such a mindset shift with just this language mm-hmm. that it's already, I have the power to create this because finding it, it exists somewhere and then you walk out and then, and it puts so much pressure. I never find anything, frankly. So. <laughs> creating for me so much more easier than finding it and it also feels like it's it's exists and other people are doing it so what if people still don't do this ah that's really really cool so how do you think we create purpose well let's say someone listens to that conversation and it makes sense to them like oh yeah you know, I kind of feel lost. I worked my way up in this corporation because that was what my parents told me to do or society, right? And now I'm realizing I earned a lot of money, but I'm still not fulfilled. Like, and I'm also actually questioning what is my company even doing? That's not even aligned with my, my values. <laughs> so I'm a little bit lost now. So when they listen to that, this could be, you know, the starting point of, yeah, I want to create purpose. 
what do I value? What is a mission that I could give to myself where I feel like if I would contribute to that mission over the next decades or the rest of my life, I would feel good about it and proud and that has meaning to me. Yeah, mm -hmm. so there are a lot of journaling exercises that can help, just sitting in meditation with those questions, talking to a coach who can help. I recently had a coaching session with someone who wasn't really clear about that. And just by talking to her, I was like, it seems like you really care about this, you know? And what if this would be your mission? She's like, yeah, yeah, it's true. I do really care about this and I'm doing it for a long time and I want to do more around that. And she's really passionate about people and creating uh, beautiful company cultures for in her work environment but even outside of this she really cares about people and she wants that everyone feels included and heard and seen and understood so that's already almost the purpose right so then you can just try to nail it down into something that's like yeah that's it okay I think it's really cool and sometimes I feel that there's a lot of conversation around like finding your purpose and then do something what you love and there's ikigai coming in mm -hmm. and finding you need to you need to do all these things and I think how you you talk about this is that you help people with ease because there is this ease in this and then I think you you can create this purpose only with ease if you're trying it super super hard and then like oh, I need to do something I don't think it's it's the purpose. Yeah. I think it's something that has to come with ease. Mm -hmm. It's it's for me. It's a a tool at the end of the day, mm -hmm. right? So, like I said earlier, life or human life doesn't have inherent purpose in a way. Like maybe the biological, or maybe you have a spiritual idea um, about it. But there's also nihilism, right? You can you can also really get into the understanding that there's no purpose in anything. You know, we are just a micro micro microsecond in the scale of the universe and we're here and then we're not here and in 10,000 years everything that we do will probably be forgotten uh, so there's no purpose to anything but is that a good framework to live a happy life i'm not sure you know a lot of nihilists they become really depressed <laughs> because it's like whoa that's heavy mm. but then some people they think maybe the purpose is to just be happy and kind to other people and if that works for them great mm. maybe it works for a few years and then they realize i want a little bit more direction in my life i also want something that can guide me in my profession uh, towards you know a certain mission yeah i think there's a lot of different aspects to purpose and to what you said if we think i need a purpose in order to be happy then we create a limitation, right? Because maybe right now, I don't know. Maybe I'm 20 years old and I don't know. But everyone tells me, you need a purpose, you need a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't have a purpose. What's wrong with me? Yeah. Um, and that can, yeah, great. Like the opposite effect. Yeah, 100%. And, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, when, when people are talking about uh, depression, I, I was depressed. I have depression as well. It Come, comes and goes, but uh, mm -hmm. right now it goes rather. <laughs> <laughs> and then some people, when I talk to them about this, they, even though there's a lot of education around depression nowadays, so it's not that uh, difficult to, to understand what it is until you're in it. So people think that, that depression is sadness. But I, I characterize depression with emptiness and having no feelings. Yeah. And the biggest burden is I don't feel that I have a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think 
that is one of the most difficult parts of overcoming because that's the only like lack of purpose is kind of a feeling as well and i think yeah lack of curiosity lack of purpose these are uh, equal of, of depression yeah yeah i agree i mean we could also talk about what is depression because i'm not so sure if it is so easy to understand because i think even experts have different not necessarily different opinions, also different opinions, but also different explanations, right? There's the biochemical explanation, there's maybe spiritual explanations, there's uh, psychological explanations. So, like I said earlier, the maybe the main guiding question in my life is how does happiness work? And so depression is involved in that because it's, I see it as a spectrum of, you know, happiness, fulfillment, but then also depression and lack of happiness which is not well hate or sadness necessarily but maybe it's just an emptiness yeah or we could go into that direction but there's a lot of topics whatever <laughs> you want to talk about i think it's this conversation just like went boomed so your question right now is what is happiness and then what makes us happy how is your research going <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean not right now it's it's more like there was a very particular point when I was depressed, end stage of the startup, where I was standing in front of this crossroad mm -hmm. uh, where one side was, I need to figure out what to do next, right? I had a little bit of savings, but I was like, okay, what do I do next? And then the other side was, I don't feel good right now. Maybe I should figure out how I feel better before thinking about what to do next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then my kind of logical brain went, well, if I feel like I'm doing at the moment and I knew what to do next, I wouldn't do a good job because I feel like very low energy. <laughs> so <laughs> I, think, I still wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just the, if I find out how I can be more happy, then no matter what I do, I will probably be more successful in doing it. So this question, how does happiness work, was almost like, yeah, the, the, the starting point for me to go inwards and read books about that and start meditating. Um, and I'm still really fascinated by that question because there's not an easy answer. I mean, I think if there would be more people would know. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's, you know, old spiritual texts and... Philosophies, the, everything around exactly. this. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think now I feel like I really landed at a understanding that resonates with me. I have my own language for it a little bit. Yeah, and I can see how different spiritual teachings are trying to point to the same thing, but also it's not exactly the same. So there are differences. Um, but also a lot of overlap pointing towards the same same truth. What are those? So for me, and I'm maybe a little bit of a hardliner when it, when it comes to that, from a biological perspective, we have brains with neurons and neural connections. And the person that you are is, from this perspective, based on how your neurons are linked in the brain. If you have a new experience, a new memory, then new connections are forming. And the more often you use them, the more you remember, for example, that experience. And there is also a, a link between how emotionally you felt when something happened, that it kind of burns it in into your mind much stronger. 
So there's this, and then we have trauma that is also in the brain, but it's also in the body. So we have the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. And in my understanding, the subconscious mind is the body in a way. So the body has a lot of intelligence that we yeah, can't always easily access. And so we can have blocks and so on. So there's all of that stuff, you know, like the past and this is where therapy comes in and so on. But then there's also, how do you feel right now? And why do you feel that way right now? And uh, there's a quote, I'm not sure if I get it right, but something around whatever you're experiencing right now is or can be explained with what happens in the present and not with what happened in the past. And for, to me, that really, really resonates because a lot of times we are explaining how we're doing with the past and it's almost like we're blaming the past um, or even if we're not blaming it, I think we're looking in the wrong direction because maybe it comes from if I drop this bottle and it crashes on the floor and I would take a photo of how it bursts on the floor, people go like, oh yeah, this happens because it fell down earlier from up there and now it's hitting the ground instead of what is the reality of that moment? right where maybe the, the class is exploding and like okay there are forces pressing the the water in this direction uh, there's momentum and all of that and when we bring that back to our emotions the thing that determines how we feel is how we think in each moment so the reason why this just clicks so much to me is our past is always the same like what happened happened just as a side note, we can also rewrite our past. That's a great exercise to tell different stories in the present moment. To rewrite it. Yeah, to rewrite it. Yeah. So we do that in the present moment, but we write about our past, but that can be a very transformative practice, mm. especially if we have a lot of victim mentality. It's like, oh, this happened to me and this is why I am the way right now. We can also yeah, use our past experiences and see how is this making me into the powerful person that I am today or that I want to be. But anyway, when we could see, and it's extremely difficult, but if we could see and be aware of what we are actually thinking in the moment, then it's pretty easy to understand why, you're, why we are feeling how we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And I can just observe that in my own life, right? So this was something that I heard somewhere from like all of those different concepts and frameworks and spiritual teachings and so on there's one that is called the three principles those are mind consciousness and thought and within that teaching it basically says that mind consciousness and thought they are forming your experience your emotional experience in each moment and the more i observed myself the more i just found yeah that is true can we go into what are the three differences? Because I feel I have an understanding about this because I had a powerful ayahuasca experience around this, <laughs> okay. which I have an episode here. Cool. But I'm not sure if... Yeah, yeah. can we go into detail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, three I love talking things? about it. <laughs> and it's interesting. It's a, it's a quite a small scene around that teaching because it hasn't been really marketed so, you know, you have Eckhart Tolle, for example, who wrote a best-selling book and like millions of people know his way of talking about the present moment and how that is re related to inner peace and so on. Uh, the three principles, unfortunately, don't have that 
yeah that, popularity that, like that yeah, PR right? exactly okay. exactly now we're um, gonna give it some yeah yeah so mind consciousness and thought a really great way to it's a metaphor to understand it is let's say we're sitting in a cinema okay and we're watching our life on the the screen and sometimes we feel sad sometimes we feel scared sometimes we laugh depending on what is happening on that screen in that example the screen is consciousness okay so without the screen there would be nothing if you imagine you sit in a cinema but there is no screen so the light that comes from the projector would just go into infinite darkness there would be no experience so without consciousness no experience then we have mind and mind here is it's also sometimes called universal mind and that is the intelligence behind everything like the energy you could call it the universe or you could call it god so it's not the our human mind it's the intelligence that transforms a small little seed into a big tree or that makes our heart beat the whole time and just the living force energy that is animating all of life so okay. that's mind so in that example that would be the cinema the seeds like just the whole infrastructure okay so also without mind there would be nothing right without the the big bang the energy that is just really creating all life but also all that matter stars and planets there would be nothing and then we have thought and thought is what gets projected onto consciousness so without that there would be just a black screen there would also be nothing so what this this man his name is Sidney Banks discovered in his enlightenment experience is those are the three fundamental pillars of reality and what is very special about the three principles in his teaching is he's not telling anyone what to do it's not a you should do this you know even a catholicist you should be present in the present moment he's not saying that he's just saying this is a description of how things are and you don't need to do anything with it so it's not like a guru who's preaching to to do those kind of things or that those kind of practices and the idea is the more we see what is really happening the more our inner wisdom or even our common sense will kick in and help us and you could also say that is the connection to the divine or mm -hmm. something like that there are a lot of different terms for it but it really resonates with me because it, it removes the pressure there can be a lot of pressure in spirituality or personal development i need to meditate every day mm -hmm. i need to do my affirmations i need to do this but why because you want to do this so you you become more productive or more clear in your thinking to then what to then achieve something and then you're you're happy so it's it's still based on the same misunderstanding that the external environment is the cause for how we feel mm. and the three principles are very much at the the core of what really happens and then nothing else so in in my understanding how i experience it it's very pure mm. there's no teachings on top of it or practices or even religions you know which they're all centered around maybe a similar idea but then there are stories and stories and books and 
temples and uh, organizations and cults and like there's so much on top of it which I mean, there are reasons for it. Uh, you have to organize large amounts of people and so on, but also people get lost in all the layers on top and then they don't see what is happening right now. Why are they really angry? Why are they really happy? Why are they really lonely? So where is feelings in the cinema? And where am I in, who am I in the cinema? Yeah, so who are we in the cinema example? Well, in a sense, we are sitting there and witnessing our life. And it will be scary sometimes, and it will be funny sometimes, and it will be sad sometimes. But if we would understand that we sit in a cinema and we really don't like what is happening on the screen, right? We would just, let's say it's a home cinema, we would just change the movie, and put in another movie, instead of screaming at the people on the screen, don't do this, you know, don't do this. Like, it's a horror movie. This is what they do. <laughs> um, and so this is what happens in life, right? We don't like what we're seeing. And we say, don't do this. Oh, I need to move to a different place because I don't like the weather here. Or I need to, I don't know, the politicians need to change. The economy need to change. And we like all focus on changing the things on the screen instead of realizing, well, it's our projection. So it, it's a very almost like self-empowering understanding that, oh, it comes from me, right? It could also be like, oh shit, it comes from me. <laughs> I was doing that, um, but we all do it innocently. No one is creating drama, sadness, anger on purpose for themselves, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people that's even more twisted think, well, I'm angry and you deserve it. Like, man, you are angry. <laughs> Like you're hurting yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So I am the one who's projecting the thoughts onto the consciousness. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Onto mm -hmm. exactly the co consciousness or awareness is where we experience it. And then thought is what we experience, mm. which is why you can lay down in an ayahuasca experience. It's just you and your thoughts. You have your eyes closed and you can have a wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I actually had an interesting encounter at one point because I tried to listen to the sounds around me during my ayahuasca ceremony, by the way. And yeah. then I started to hear like different sounds, once the bird chirping and then somebody's puking. And then I had, so I, I picked a few sounds and at one point <laughs> they sat me down in a table. So I had the sounds talking to me and they were telling me this is the present moment. And this is base camp. So you can go a deep dive. You can go into your mind. You can see horrible things if, you, if you're ready for it. But if you feel uncomfortable, you can always just come back here to base camp, which is the present moment. Mm -hmm. It was such an interesting way how my mind was showing me that the present moment is always safe. Mm -hmm. Like it's, If I'm just like, stop and then only listen to the sounds, the past and my thoughts are going to disappear and my worries for the future as well is going to disappear. And in the present, it's always peaceful. Yeah. Well, what Ekatole is, I think, trying to get us to do as well is if we are in the present moment, right, we can arrive there by, let's say, maybe a deep meditation mm -hmm. or by having sex or by doing something that's very extreme, like jumping out of the plane, skydiving or like racing because we need to be in the present moment. You can't, you don't have the space to think about anything, the bandwidth, because you need to make decisions and, you know, not crash 
Yeah, but then also most of the time we're thinking and it's very hard to turn it off. Mm. But like Akatole is saying, if we go beyond our thoughts into the role of the witness, then we might still have thoughts, but we are not so attached anymore. And in a similar way, in a cinema experience, we might still have a frightening movie playing, but if we know it's a movie, it's a lot more chill. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we don't take it so seriously. So it's also a way to take life as it is and like not, oh, I need to change my thinking. Oh, positive thinking, positive thinking. No. If I realize this is a thought, it creates that emotion, I'm already so much more peaceful and understanding of what's really happening instead of, oh my God, I feel angry, you need to get punished. Or, oh my God, I feel afraid, everyone needs to change what they're doing with their masks or something like that. Um, and instead of like, oh yeah, I'm afraid because when I actually listen or observe, I have those images that come up, those are scary. Mm. Or I have those stories, you know, that my mind is so quick. I don't even notice more of most of the times where it goes. I just know, oh, I'm afraid now. Or, oh, I'm nervous now. I had this experience, also had an episode, but uh, this, uh, I'm repeating myself here, but a couple of weeks ago, I had four bad news coming in in 10 minutes. I was ordering a cappuccino. By the time I got it, I got four <laughs> different <laughs> news coming in. And I was in shock. And I also have a lot of tools that I can always use. And I was just like sitting, trying to figure out like what to use now. And then I realized I need to cry. And I need to allow myself to cry. So I went to the bathroom and I cried in the bathroom. And then mm -hmm. what happened in that bathroom is that I allow my mind to scream. Even though I could not scream, like, because I was still in public and mm -hmm. I don't think I would scream anyways. But I started to, like, scream in my mind, and this is shitty, and this is shitty, and I fuck this. And I let myself be angry uh, so that I can hear my thoughts. Because I had the feeling, but I didn't have the connected. It was so many thoughts. I didn't mm -hmm. like, I, I, they, they all needed to shout their own truth at one point. So I just let my mind shout them out and say all the, the truth that I felt I'm experiencing. So I used anger to be able to articulate these nasty things that I had. And then I wrote, I made a list out of this. Mm -hmm. And then I could step back. And I was like, okay, so these were the thoughts. I did not believe them. them. I was just like, okay, these are probably the things that are like on the movie screen right yeah, now. Yeah. And it was really interesting how the, the emotions are generating those thoughts. So it's your thoughts are always connecting to emotions. It goes, of, it goes yeah, both ways. Both ways, yeah. right? Because yeah. I'm not sure if like, yeah. yeah. So it's like this momentum, right? Like once we're happy, it's a lot easier to have happy thoughts and to be optimistic and so on. And sometimes when we are angry, like just everything sucks. You know, you think about that, you are annoying and you are annoying and everything is annoying. Uh, so yeah, this is, I mean, why it's so difficult to sometimes get ourselves out of a, a bad mood, but it can happen. And most people had an experience where they went from happy to sad or angry, like very quickly and also the other way around. Yeah. And this is, this is the, the tricky part why, why it's so difficult to see it because you might be angry about something and then you realized, oh, you got it wrong. You know, you, you thought this person forgot your birthday, you know, let's say and you were really angry and then you see, oh, actually they sent me a message on WhatsApp, <laughs> right? <laughs> Boom, anger is gone. You know, actually maybe you feel a little guilty yeah. um, um, and then you feel happy. You're like, yeah. oh, they yeah. did think about me, great. So the, the, the external truth is the WhatsApp message was there the whole time, right? But 
the person might still think, well, I was angry because I didn't see the message or I didn't have the message. And then I saw it. Okay, so me finding the message was the reason why my emotions switched. But internally, the reason was, oh, this person doesn't respect me, doesn't like me. And then, oh, actually they do. So those internal switches, they can also happen without any external triggers. And sometimes we have those uh, moments where we just remember something or we're like, oh, fuck, I'm so angry. And then we have a moment of lucidity, of mm -hmm. clarity. And it's like, what the fuck am I doing here? Life is good. <laughs> and then, wow, I was so angry or so afraid like 10 seconds ago. Yeah. And now I feel way more chill. Yeah, it's crazy how we can believe our emotions. And I think that's that's one thing yeah. that we need to uh, kind of figure out. And I have the luck that I am uh, I'm a woman and I have cycle syncing. So I have a cycle, therefore I need to figure out how are my emotions are determined by the hormones that I am actually on on that particular week of the month, because there's four different moods that we are in uh, as girls. And, and, and then when I started to figure out that I, I need to check on, like on my app, like mm -hmm. which phase I am, I'm in, I need to know. Therefore, I, I know that it's not me. That's the whole cool thing about this, that uh, I know it's not only hormones, but the feelings are not, not real. Yeah. And even sometimes I let it go and then I shout, shout at uh, someone on Google. Yeah. I just did that. Uh, Google reviews, but <laughs> but then I regret it. And then, so I, I of course, lean into to feelings sometimes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, yeah, what is, when are feelings real or not? I would say they are real because something is happening in the body and, and we have that experience, but maybe the reasons why we think we feel it is not real. It's always something inside of us. And even with the hormone, hormones, I mean, obviously there is a correlation with the, the cycles, but also, you know, you, I don't know if you take testosterone or other hormones that you supplement, it can affect your mood. Mm -hmm. But you can also be in a part of your cycle where you have a certain, let's say, hormone cocktail in your body. And in one day, you can feel very happy or very sad, right? So you're in the same cycle. Yeah. It's the same day, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it still changes. Yeah. So my, my way of understanding it, there are a lot of factors that influence our hormones and the neurotransmitters, serotonin, melatonin, dopamine, how, what we eat, our gut biome, heavy metals, all of that plays a role. But at the end of the day, it's still the thought that matters. And it's, it's almost like the thought overpowers everything else at the end of the day. So you can have um, someone who is depressed or in a very yeah, low state and their reasons for it, from their hormones, from, I don't know, maybe, yeah, the brain chemistry and so on. There's still a way that this person could find happiness in the next moment. One of the, the quotes of Sydney Banks is, oh, again, I'm not 100% sure, but um, happiness is never more than one thought away. Hmm. And I love that because for a lot of us, we feel a certain way and we want to feel happier and we have an idea of what, what it takes to get there, right? 
well, for me to be happy, I need to lose 10 kilograms. I need to meditate every day. I need to make more money. It's like, whoa, that's a long mm. list uh, and a long, you know, a long while away from right now. <laughs> what if, you know, what if you could have a thought and then you feel happy the next moment or like in that moment you have that thought? You know, I wanted to ever since we, we started talking and, and I had like a gazillion questions and just when you started talking... I'm trying to get back the conversation on one question and you kind of, I think, answered it right now or just like build it up so that I can ask this question. So uh, I get this all the time from people who have no idea (laughs) what is the difference between coaching and therapy. Mm -hmm. And they think that coaches are make-believe therapists. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're imposter therapists. And I kind of feel like you're the perfect person to clarify this a little bit on what, what is happening, especially because of what you said now and then how we started talking about, about the past as well. We yeah. Had, like, in the beginning. Well, if anyone is listening who believes that, I'm sorry that you believe that. It's, <laughs> it's a very limiting belief. <laughs> Coaches can be a lot more accessible, right? For people, it's not always easy to find a therapist. Sometimes there are long waiting times and so on. And it can be just what you need. It can be better for you to work with a coach. Not always. I mean, I'm so happy therapists exist. But I had people who worked with therapists who did one session with me. Like, I want to keep working with you and stop working with my therapist. Mm. Because after this one session, I feel like more clear. I have more energy. And that's actually what I want. Maybe I don't need to understand my childhood better at this point. Yeah, so like, what is the difference between coaching? Yeah, so therapy usually focuses more on the past. But again, also lines are blurry. There are also some therapists who are more future oriented, you could say. But yeah, generally that. Um, and then there are more limitations on therapy because it's a medical profession. There are certain rules, things a therapist can do and things they cannot do. Whereas coaching is not regulated, right? Which means there are a lot of shitty coaches out there. Yeah. But it also means there are coaches who can make you dance or touch you or use music or yeah just they have a whole they have an infinite range of different tools they can use whereas a therapist is a little bit more limited and in general really in general coaching focuses on a goal or a dream someone has or a pattern they want to change so they're more future oriented you could say what is the starting point right now okay where do you want to go cool let's figure out how you can get there Mm -hmm. yeah but then also there are coaches who do trauma work so it's it's all a little bit blurry so don't put all the coaches in one box (laughs) also don't put all the the therapists in one one box yeah yeah but i think that that was a really good explanation on both sides uh with the coaches that there is less regulation so it's easier entry you nobody's going to check your uh, coach certification uh, at one point and there's not going to be coach people going after you if you are not certified i think and meanwhile in the therapy community it's like quite regulated and it uh, has to have like one sort of diploma education yeah. system so in in a way it is safer because i i talk about this on this podcast quite often that i met a lot of people who are really irresponsible on how they are coaching and I think there it comes back a a little bit of responsibility from various sides also when you're choosing your coach in a way that you make your research if that is the right coach for you and not believe that everybody has like a necessary education for you know trauma it's like for example one of the 
the thing that I think it should be super uh, not totally. regulated, but like definitely a lot of carefulness yeah. around uh, dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. But quickly to add, if someone has like mental issues, then I would say a therapist is definitely the first place to look for. Usually therapy tries to get people back to a normal baseline, whatever, mm. whatever that means. Um, whereas coaches usually work with people who are on a normal baseline who are like, I'm, I'm okay, but I'm procrastinating. I have this thing I wanted to do since three years. I haven't started yet, or I just want to move faster. You know, like I'm, I have a purpose, I have a mission, but I know that with someone external uh, who can show me my blind spots, who can just borrow their brain, their creativity to find different ways I can move forward. Yeah, I'm happy to pay for that. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting. I also talked to therapists who went into coaching because they wanted to be a little bit more free yeah. in their modalities. And I think it has to evolve. And I think there's a lot of people who are really talented coaches and really talented helpers that just name them like this and should do this job, you know, and, and just by their their skill level, like how they see other people, how they keep a conversation, how they can listen and how they can pinpoint different ideas. I think it's a wonderful skill. And another thing, we learn to learn and to conduct our life with having someone holding our hands. And like we have all these kindergarten teachers and then teachers and preschool mm-hmm. teachers and university teachers and parents and aunties. And there's always, and then at one point it's like, you're on your own. And then the rest you need to figure out by yourself. And sometimes it's amazing to have someone who takes care on like, okay, you want to go there? Let's go walk together for a little bit. And then you yeah. can maybe go somewhere else. That is a really good point. I had a very strong feelings about it. Now I'm a little bit more, more relaxed about it. But for me... It's just a thought. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. And, and my, my thinking has changed around it. For me, coaching means you don't give advice. You help the person. So it's, I don't know if the holding hands metaphor is so good for it, because if you work with a mentor, for example, or someone who says, I'm a guide, then I would expect, yeah, tell me what to do. Like you, you know how that thing works that I want to accomplish. Tell me what to do. And that can be valuable. Coaching for me is like, I help my clients figure out what they want and how they want to do it. And it's, getting them into a more self-empowered state where they realize, oh, I can do this. You know, and I like I help clients all the time with things that I've never done. Right? Like I'm I'm not there to tell you what to do. I'm there to empower you, to challenge you, to hold space. So this is where where I'm coming from when I talk about coaching. But then there's also uh the coaching where a little bit like what we're doing in LBB, right? We teach people exactly what they should do to build their business. I don't call that coaching, but we could also say it's a coaching program. I don't do it because of the different definition that, that, mm. that I have. It's a mentor program. Yeah, it's more a mentorship program. Mm-hmm. It's a business building accelerator program. Uh, but a lot of people use the word coaching for, I help people with their marketing. Um, it's like maybe you're a consultant or an advisor because you give a lot of advice that like you should do your ads like this <laughs> you should do like yeah. this and then maybe there are coaching elements in it right like this is your homework do this oh i haven't done it yet and then maybe we go into coaching oh why not you felt afraid was there resistance uh, what happened you know can you share more about that 
Oh, you give me so much clarity now. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing with my clients. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. And yeah, it's really hard to give it into boxes because sometimes some people need a little bit more guidance and some people, and then this might be the last question. And this might be a little bit of an egoistic one, but I would like to know personally, how do you deal with like all the different so sometimes I feel like that there's so much chemistry going on with a coachy and a coach. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, I mean, like that they can work together in a nice way. And then do you think as a coach, can you work with any, everybody? Is it the skill or from a coach or is it the skill from a coach? I think this is great because it ties back into what we shared at the very beginning, you know, from my past and being really friends with a lot of different people. I think I'm really good at working with a lot of different people. Um, I don't want to work with everyone. And there are certainly people who get more value out of working with me or maybe with any coach because they're more open-minded. They're maybe less defensive. When, for example, when I do a session with someone and I never take on a client before I have not had a session with them, right? So it's more like a slow, you know, if someone is interested, cool, let's just talk, you know, maybe we have a 10 minute chat. Maybe we do a 90 minute session. That's a gift from me. And then we see if we want to move forward or not. So it's very like chill because it's a very sacred thing for me. Like we, we are entering into a beautiful, deep, transformative container. So we want to ease into it hmm. and not just someone can go to my website and pay me. And then it's my client. One kind of warning signal is when I ask someone, how is work? How are you doing? Um, what do you think about love? And they use you language. So you know when you do this, then this is how you feel. Like, no, I don't know. I ask you, <laughs> right? So it's a defense mechanism in the language of like, this is how it is. Like, no, own your experience. Mm-hmm. And the reason why this is a problematic is they are not so up open then to go deeper and be vulnerable. It's like, yeah, I struggle with that. Like, oh, you know, when your girlfriend says this, then you just get upset. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, say, please say I, right? And this is something that we yeah. can, but we can yeah. work on and yeah, I can yeah. call it out. And someone's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. And then maybe I need to remind the person a few times because it's a habit of speaking that way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that. I own that feeling. <laughs> I feel like uh, me as a coach, I, what I need to learn a little bit better is how to like stay in the seat of like watching the movie in a cinema, you know, like not getting involved. But that's like one of the skills of, of I'm trying to have so many people. And then with some people I say something and I, and I think it works and then it just doesn't, you know, it, even like this example, I would say like, hey, use your eye language and, and they don't understand why I would say that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, but it's like right here. So yeah, but it's just, it's just a little bit of a, uh, an insight. We went a full circle and I loved it. And the same thing happened with the other as well. That we went just like, whoa, back to the beginning. Cool. Amazing. Uh, I think this should be the end. It's 101 until we figure that. Thank you so much for joining. It was such a great conversation. Yeah, I really I like enjoyed it. this. And uh, yeah, good luck with uh, everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. You are listening to the In Search of Something Different podcast, where we talk about new ways and ideas on how we live, work and connect. 
If you like this episode, don't forget to give us a five-star rating as it helps in this world. And also, you can say hi on Instagram. You can find the show under in search of something dash different. I'll come back to you soon with the next episode, but until then, don't forget to stay curious. <laughs>